We're, we're near the end. We're going to look at the first 10 verses. Lord willing, this morning here in Acts 28, and I think God's greatly blessed our study in Acts over the past year, and it's my hope we finish well. And, uh, you know, th- this is a, a, some important matters we're looking at today, entitled the message, Shaking Off Snakes. And boy, there's a lot of snakes out there, and they come in a lot of forms and fashions, and you know, we're going to see a physical s- snake latching onto Paul, but boy, there's a lot of spiritual application here as we're going to see the enemy of our soul is likened to a snake. And uh, you know what? We're going to talk about that battle and that war. And we're also going to start by just seeing in the first verse, it says, now when they escaped. And going back to last week and that storm that they escaped on the sea. And we're going to see that they didn't escape that, you know what, in their own doing. But they escaped that through listening to God's prophetic word that was given. And again, it's a fallen world that we're in. And first and foremost, there needs to be escape from the wages of our sin. And we'll be reminded that's only through Jesus Christ. And then from there, have you noticed that, you know what, you come to the Lord, you get saved, and praise God, positionally we're right with God. But there's still storms that come in life, isn't there? And there's temptations and there's snares. But praise God, there's always a way of escape. And we'll be reminded once again, it's going to sound redundant. You know what that way of escape is? We're going to see again that it's Jesus. Again, we'll talk about Paul. We'll talk about him, and we'll see him. And we'll read it here in a second together, getting bitten by a a vapor or a viper. Not a vapor, but a viper as he served the Lord and others. But praise God, listen, we're going to see him shake that off, and God even using it for his glory. And again, be reminded of the spiritual war we're in, but... Also the fact that in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have an authority to shake that off. And as well as the Lord said, we have an authority in Him to trample snakes and scorpions. And that's a phenomenal thing. I think that's something that we really don't grasp the, 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 you know, the gravity of that and so forth and the depths of that. So we'll consider that. And then finally, we're going to see them again as they land on this strange out, uh, island opportunity given for a, a, a prayer meeting. And many healed on this island and, you know, what the call to be praying absolutely for sicknesses and so forth. And uh, so that's a little bit of where we've been and where we're going. Uh, let's read the text together, at least to verse 6. Maybe we'll go to verse 10 and then we'll dive in this and, and, and make our way down through the passage this morning. It says, now when they had escaped, they then found out that the island was called Malta. And the natives showed us unusual kindness For they kindled the fire and made us all welcome because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on a fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. Now when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, No doubt this man is a murderer, whom though he has escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow him to live. And notice verse 5, But he shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. However, they were expecting that he would swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But after they had looked for a long time and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said he was God. That's, that's, that's quite, of a, quite a swing there of their opinion. Verse 7, in that region there was an estate of a leading citizen of that island whose name was Publius, who received us and entertained us courteously for three days. And it happened that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and dysentery, Paul went into him and prayed and laid hands on him and healed him. And when that was done, the rest of those on the island who had diseases also came and were healed. 
and they honored us in many ways. And when we departed, they provided such things as were necessary. So much here. Again, notice here verse verse one. Now, when they escaped and last week we looked at just this incredible storm as Paul was being transported as a prisoner on this Roman ship from Caesarea, ultimately to Rome. But as they got on this ship, we read of this phenomenal storm that came upon them, this tempest where they were tossed to and fro, not for a day or two, but day after day after day after day to the point where they saw no stars for days on end or nights on end and the sun was darkened for days on end they came to the point where much of the cargo had to be thrown overboard and so forth and we read of them going 14 days without food and it came to the point where it says they had all given up hope and it wasn't just the non-believers on that ship it wasn't just the roman guards and you know what the the uh, prisoners on that ship and the merchants and so forth that said they'd all given up hope indicating that even the believers there they'd come to the point where it was just like this is it we've given up hope and we saw in the midst of that in the midst of giving up hope which also seemed to include paul that though they had given up hope paul turned to the hope giver and paul turned to the lord jesus christ and paul began to all the more pray paul was a praying praying man but even praying men and praying women you know we can always pray more (laughs) you ever think man i'm a I'm a, I'm a prayer warrior or whatever. Hopefully we don't get arrogant or cocky in that. And then I remember sharing last week, you know, everything can change in a day. And you're in that point of life where it seems like everything changed in a day. And all of a sudden you realize, boy, I, I never knew I could pray like this. As you call out to God. And Paul called out to the Lord. And remember we saw him sharing with them to take heart. And he told them there in Acts 27, 23, For there stood by me this night an angel of God, to whom I belong, to whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul, for you must be brought before Caesar. And indeed, God has granted you and all those uh, who sail with you. And so he said, Take heart and trust this prophetic word that had been given. And so we saw that they escaped that storm. And it wasn't because of dumb luck. It wasn't just by happenstance or, you know, it's something that just unfolded. But instead, They survived that storm because they put hope in that prophetic word that was given that revolved around instruction from the Lord Jesus Christ. And it started by taking heart. That was the instruction. As they took heart, the Lord saw them through. As they looked to the Lord, God saw them through. And God did that not for them just to land to go about their business, but God told Paul, I'm going to see you through because you still have work to do. You're going to share the gospel of Jesus Christ to Caesar. There's people that you're going to share the gospel with in Rome and so forth. And let's remember that as the Lord's seeing us through day by day. It's his heart and his intent that it wouldn't be just so that we live for ourselves and the things that are going to perish, but that we'd be a people that want to live for the Lord Jesus Christ. And boy, we need to be living for him in these days. You know what? In these days where it just seems like everything's trying to suck the life out of us, Let's live for the one who gives life, the Lord Jesus. And in these days where there's so many people that are needing life in such a dark world, oh Lord, grant us grace and mercy to be living for you, to be salt and light to a world that desperately needs you, Lord Jesus. Can we say amen to that today? Listen, and with that said, just like that sea, that, that, that storm that we read of all the details of it, I, I, to me it's very much a reminder of 
this fallen world that we're in. This fallen world just full of deadly storms. We go back to the garden and listen, this, this world wasn't created in a state of chaos. It wasn't created, you know, in a place of sin and so forth. We know that Adam and Eve, they had a perfect relationship with God Almighty. And we talk about this often. It's important that we do. It gives us insight to so much that's true in the world today. We know God told them that they could have eat of any tree of that garden, but the day they eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they're going to die. And we know how the account goes. The serpent comes along, who again, we'll be talking more about here in a minute. Satan came along in the form of a serpent, and he began to question God and brought that lie forth, you know, villainizing God, saying, you know, God knows if you eat of the tree, you're not going to die. In fact, he knows the day you eat of it, you'll be like him. And he considered that, and, you know, it entered into dialogue with the enemy and, you know, made the error of that. And before you know it, she ate of that tree. And really it was a, you know, a, a, a temptation given that birthed lust in her heart. And when she acted on that, it brought a death. It brought a death and it brought a curse. And we know when Adam, you know, it listened to his wife and ate of it, we read there that, God says, cursed is the ground for your sake. And this world's a fallen world now. And God told him there in Genesis 3.17, you were taken from the dust, and now you're going to return. And everything changed at that point. And calm seas turned into a raging storm and so forth. And all of us from there have been born in this world as sinners. And people who fall short of the glory of God. And a people that are condemned in our own actions and attitudes and so forth. And listen, this isn't, Pastor Steve's opinion on this stuff this morning, God's word tells us in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. And then we're told in Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. And that's not talking just about the death in this world and death came because of sin in the garden, but a spiritual death. We're in a place where in of ourselves, just like on that ship, we're without hope. We don't have a future in of ourselves Listen, we don't have a way of escape. Re, re, you know what? Galatians 2.16 says, Knowing a man's not justified by works of the law. In other words, my works can't save myself. I can't be justified through what I do. And then Psalm 143.2 says, Do not enter into judgment with your servant, for in your sight no one living is righteous. And even in the midst of a fallen world, in the midst of sin, there's still individuals running around thinking that they're righteous, thinking their works can make them right before God. A lot of times thinking, well, if my good outweighs the bad, or, you know, and how many times do people kind of set up their own standard of, if you live according to this standard, then surely God approves of you. And yet that's not the case. You know what God demands? God demands utter perfection. He is perfect. He is holy. Sin brings death. And hear this this morning, God is not going to bring death and the wages of sin into glory. And in of ourselves, listen, just like on that ship, we have no hope. But praise God, praise God there is a way of escape. In fact, it's the only way of escape. And it's through the prophetic gospel of Jesus Christ, through the work of the cross of Calvary. Notice 2 Corinthians 5.21, he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become, hear this, the righteousness of God in him. Again, no one living is righteous, but we might become the righteousness of God 
in him, the one who knew no sin. Jesus was tempted in every way, yet he didn't sin. He never knew sin. And yet God the Father sent Christ to become sin for us or to pay the penalty of our sin, the wages of our sin, death. He paid the penalty of that on the cross of Calvary. But praise God, because he was without sin, death couldn't hold him. And he rose from the grave to make that way of salvation that this morning in him, and that's the key, are you in Jesus Christ? Is he your Lord and Savior? Like, I'm not in, but I want to get in. How do I get in? Listen, we confess our sin. The Bible says to repent, which is a turning. It's turning from myself. It's turning from serving the God of my belly. To say, Jesus, I confess you as Lord. Be the Lord of my life. Save a wretch like me. Be my God. Be my king. That's how we enter in, by his grace, through faith in him. And in Christ, we are the righteousness of God in him. Or listen, we have right standing with God. We escape the storm the wages of death because of our sin through the Lord Jesus Christ. And hear this, there is no other way of salvation. There's no other way. And even to suggest that there is, is really to trample the blood of Jesus Christ underfoot because it's a sin issue and only Jesus Christ dealt with the sin issue. Listen, we'll reiterate it more. Romans 6.23, we read the first part of it. The wages of sin is death, but, and you got to praise God for the buts in these places, but the gift of God is eternal life. Again, how? In Christ Jesus, our Lord. The gift of God. It's a gift given because of God's great goodness and God's great love. And then Romans, or excuse me, Galatians 6, or excuse me, Galatians 2.16. Again, knowing a man is not justified by works of the law, we saw that, but by faith in Jesus Christ. It's not good news this morning. Listen, we can never be reminded enough of this. I hope you'd ever come to the place where you go, oh, there goes Steve again, preaching the gospel, preaching the cross. Yes, we got to preach the gospel and preach the cross. We got to be reminded. We got to get this grilled into us so we can share with others so they can flow out of us and absolutely be reminded of who our God is. I'll tell you, that snake is still wanting to villainize our God to this day, but our God is good. He's the author of life. He's the giver of life. And I'll tell you, he's incredibly long-suffering and patient with a rebellious mankind. Now listen with that said. I think we've all noticed and we all know and understand that once escaped sin and being positionally right with God, justified by, be, before God and right standing with God, have you noticed that there are still practical storms in life? There's trials. There's temptations. There's snares round about. And oftentimes, I don't know if you found this. I don't know if it's just me. I've, I found myself more than once stumbling in the midst of storms. Can anyone else bear witness to that this morning? That you stumble. That you sometimes give in to these things. Sometimes your heart's not right with God. Sometimes you get to that place where it just seems like it's coming in all around you. But praise God, you know there's a way of escape each and every day. There's a way of escape through these storms, even when you're in the place where it's like you're on that ship and you just come to that place where you give up hope. Our God's the God of hope. He's the God of all hope. Listen, there's a way of escape. You know what that way of escape is? It's Jesus once again. 
Hebrews 12, 1, it says, Therefore we also, since we're surrounded by so great cloud of a witness, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. So boy, isn't that the truth? So easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that's set before us, doing what? What's the key into all of it? Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame as he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Looking unto Jesus. Listen, you want to lay that sin down, that sin that so easily ensnares you? You want to run the race with endurance? How do we do that? we got to look to the Lord. Strength comes from Him. we got to look to Him, be found a people, drawing near to, near to Him in prayer and the Word and praise and thanksgiving. You want to bear the fruits of the Spirit? You want to walk in the power of the Spirit? We can't manufacture that in ourselves. we got to look to the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember the Lord said, Abide in me and you'll bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Let's look to Jesus. And then let's remember as well to follow the prophetic word, to get encouragement from God's word. Because sometimes in those storms, in those trials, those temptations, sometimes when we're stumbled and we're face down, it's easy to forget that God has a way of escape. And all of those things. Maybe you're in a place today where it just feels like your whole world's caved in on you. Like, how do I get out of this place? Listen, the liar, the enemy of our soul always wants to come in and say, there's no escape out of this. There's no way out of this pit that you're in. But listen, in Jesus Christ, there absolutely is. 1 Corinthians 10, 12. Therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man. But God is faithful, who not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. And listen, when it talks about the way of escape and temptation, this isn't limited to, well, I'm in this place where I haven't sinned, you know, practically, and here's the temptation, so here's the way of escape. Yes, that's true. But this is even speaking of what you've given into that temptation. We've all been there more than once, have we not? And you get into that temptation and you fall into that place. And boy, we can dig some deep pits, can we not? Has anyone here ever dug a deep pit in your flesh and carnality and so forth? And then you get down in there and you say, how do I escape this? How do I get out of this? Humble your heart and call upon your Lord. Repent. Repentance is... I don't care what anyone thinks. I don't care how I'm perceived by anybody. I just want to be right with God. He is that way of escape. Which again, I wrote here, if you fall down, you get up, and you repeat steps one and two. Proverbs 24, 16, if a, a righteous man may fall seven times, but he rises again. And praise God. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of sin and cleanse us from all righteousness. Again, it's the Lord. He is the way of escape. Positionally, practically, I thank God for him. Now, what's amazing about this, this is so cool. It says here, it says when they escaped, they found out the, the island was called Malta. And what's really cool about this, this little island of Malta that's, out there in the Mediterranean, you know what? Uh, uh, it's it's uh, they say it's between Sil uh, Sicily and Africa. 
this little island here. You know what the, the name of this island? You know what Malta means? This is really cool. It means refuge. <laughs> and here in the storm, no hope. But they landed there in refuge. And that island was the refuge practically. But again, our refuge is the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not Refuge Church on Portola Road. It is the Lord Jesus Christ where we hope Jesus Christ is glorified at Portola Road at Refuge Church. And let me tell you the glorious thing about the Lord and Him being our refuge. All other refuges really, they can be taken from us. You know, we can put our refuge in finances. In Proverbs it says money will grow Wings like a bird and fly away. Has anyone ever experienced that before? <laughs> and you can put your refuge in, you know what, material things. You can even put your refuge in people. You can put your refuge in your help. I mean in your health. But, but eventually all those things will, will break down given enough time. But the refuge who will always be there, who's a strong tower no matter what, who... Listen, no matter what comes our way, he can't be taken from us, and we can't be snatched from his hands. You know, it's a fallen world where people are looking for security. Have you noticed that? A lot of people, they're looking for security. They're looking for it in different ways, but that's only found in one place. It's the Lord Jesus Christ, our refuge. And it kind of reiterates everything we just looked at. Psalm 46, 1, God is our refuge and strength. Hear this this morning. A very present help in trouble. A present help. And trouble, and the troubles of life, our refuge is a present help. It says, therefore, we will not fear. You got fear in your heart today? Look to your refuge. Remember your refuge. Remember the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, even in the midst of trouble right now, it's not a matter of how deep do I have to get in this trouble to get help. He's a very present help in the midst of whatever troubles you're facing or whatever troubles may come your way. And God wants us to stand in that truth. So that in that, faith would be birthed to triumph over fear. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth is removed, though the mountains be carried in the midst of the sea, though the waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shape with its swelling. Verse 2 here. It says, And the natives showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and made us all welcome because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. Listen, none of these our ideal conditions, the storm, the shipwreck. They're on a strange island. And listen, it's a place of refuge, but they get on that island and it's raining and it's cold. And usually that's a recipe for complaining, is it not? Easy to complain when there's not ideal situations. And let's remember, though, that the conditions we go through as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, at times they may not seem ideal, but though we plan our ways, the Lord directs the steps of his servants. And let's remember 1 Thessalonians 5.16. It says rejoice always. It doesn't say rejoice when conditions are ideal. Does it? Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. And everything give thanks. It doesn't say give thanks when conditions are ideal. And everything give thanks. Notice, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Maybe showed up today saying, what's God's will for me? What would God have for me in the midst of this storm, in the midst of these conditions that aren't ideal? He'd say, rejoice, give thanks, and in everything, pray without ceasing. <laughs> Pretty simple there. 
We also, again, especially won't, don't want to complain when conditions aren't ideal because, as we just were reminded of, it's a fallen world. And here's the truth of the matter. Rarely, from our perspective, will conditions be ideal. Have, have, you, have you figured that out? They are ideal when we look at things properly, knowing God directs my steps, knowing God tells me I work all things for good for those who love me and are called according to, you know what, my purposes, everything he's working for good. That ship that they were on, it was ideal. Because we'll see how God even used that. And we saw last week how God used it for his glory. And we'll see this week how God used it for his glory. We got to remember when we're looking and we're saying this isn't ideal. That God's saying, well, actually it is. I'm allowing these things to happen. Maybe for a trial of correction or perfection. But God doesn't make mistakes. And I think we fall into the trap at times of saying, well, I'll give God praise when the conditions are ideal. And you even see people say, I'm angry at God because the conditions aren't ideal. I'm a good person and it shouldn't be this way. Why do bad things happen to good people? And boy, that's so wrong. Why do good things happen to bad people is really the truth of the matter. And here's the thing about this. Listen, it wasn't ideal conditions. But God used that storm to get these men on this island of Malta. And then he used the rain and the cold to even move these welcoming natives to build and ki to kindle and build a fire for them. Which here this set a table for them to see the display of the power of God, which we'll get to here in a bit. Again, Romans 8.28, we know all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purposes. And then 1 Timothy 2.4, God desires all men to be saved. So on their perspective, it could be these conditions aren't ideal. But God was using this for their good, for God's glory, and his desire for these natives on Malta to hear the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, to see a demonstration of the power of God. Hear this this morning and remember it. God loves working through conditions that are not ideal. Let's remember that. Because it's easy to go, hey, when all the conditions are ideal, then God will start working. It, I found that's rarely the case. It's usually when conditions aren't, I real, aren't, aren't ideal, you know, that he's working the most, or at least the evidence of it are before us. Now notice verse 3. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. Let's take note of Paul here. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And Paul went on that ship as a prisoner, but something happened in the two, three weeks on that ship. Paul went from being a prisoner to really being the captain of the ship, to being a leader. God quickly promoted him. I mean, dude was calling all the shots at the end, telling people when to eat, telling them it's time to give praise. It's time to pray, and they were all throwing, you know what, Throwing stuff over ship when he said to do it and eating when he said to eat. They were given praise and they were given thanks. Listen, it's hard to keep a man that God wants to use down when they're yielded to the Lord. He went from a, a, a prisoner to a leader and yet they get off the boat. And what does Paul do? He immediately gets out there and he serves. He's not sitting around glorying and how, you know what, his leadership 
had saved them because he knew they were saved really through the Lord and God's prophetic word. And he kept, uh, you know what, a, a, a humble approach. And I, I just, you know what, I don't think it's, it's, we should skip over it. He's off and he's, he's gathering sticks for all these people. Was it 260 some folks that were on that ship? He doesn't say, well, let's let the natives do this stuff and we'll sit here and take advantage of their generosity. He gets in right amongst them and starts gathering the sticks up. And let's remember, he says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. That's what the Lord did. He came here to serve us. Even when he washed the disciples' feet on that night before he was betrayed, he said, I've given you an example that you should do as I have done. And with that, when you're serving the Lord, it happens anyway, it's a fallen world, but when you're serving the Lord especially, and when you're serving others, we got an enemy who doesn't like that. We got an enemy who wants to latch on, who wants to drag us down, who wants to get us away from serving God and others. And we see a physical viper here, but we see in the word that these vipers and these snakes, they're very much associated with demonic activity in the word of God. Satan is associated with such. Revelation 12, 9, so the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old, called the devil and Satan. And that serpent of old, that devil, that snake, he's always looking to come against God's people. Have you seen that? Have you found that to be true? He walks about like a lion that roars, looking for whoever he can devour. And when it comes to God's people, we read in Revelation 12, 10, that he stands before God night and day accusing us. Bringing accusation against us. And why is he doing that? Because he wants to see us destroyed in hell. He's saying they're sinners. They don't deserve to go there. And listen, he's right about that. But we have an advocate named Jesus Christ who shed his blood. Who is our defense. Who night and day says they're born again. They're saved. But this war rages around us. And this spiritual war, again, you can't escape it. There's vipers, there's snakes, there's demonic activity, but praise God, do not fear in our text, there's good news that's coming. He's bundled his sticks and this vapor, again because of the heat, fastens to Paul's hands. And then verse 4 it says, so when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, no doubt this man is a murderer whom, though he had escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow to live. And hear this, listen, they were absolutely right about this. These men, these women were very perceptive. Paul was a murderer. Paul was deserving of death. And if justice would serve, Paul indeed deserved to die by that vapor. Paul himself said in Acts 22.4, I persecuted this way to death. I bound people up and delivered them to prison, both men and women. Now Paul did that legally. Paul did that with, you know, a permission from the legal authority. He did it even in ignorance with zeal to God, thinking what he was doing was a service to God. But nevertheless, listen, that was a sin against God and a sin against others. He was guilty. They were right in their judgment. This man's a murderer who's escaped the sea, but justice doesn't allow him to live. In like manner, we are guilty, again, of breaking God's laws including murder. Jesus said, if you hate in your heart, it's as murder before the Lord. 
And if true justice would serve, if true justice was brought forth, all of us would be found guilty, would die on the spot, and go to hell. All of us would. Not my opinion. Listen, if it was up for me and my opinion, I'd say, well, you know, you know, if you're a little bit good, you'll be okay. <laughs> Romans 3.23 says, it is written, there's no righteous, no, not one. There's none who understands, there's none who seeks after God. They've all turned aside, they've together become unprofitable. There's none who does good, no, not one. Their throat is an open tomb. With their tongues they have practiced deceit. The poison of asp is under their lips. Here we're reading about snakes. Whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace they have not known. There's no fear of God before their eyes. Listen, this is talking about everyone. This is talking about all of us. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says of those under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and the world may become guilty before God. God lo, God's law shuts our mouth with any, you know what, defense of I'm righteous. And God says, no, you're not. You've broken my law. Your mouth needs to be shut. You're guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. And listen, these men were right. He was a murderer. And even though he escaped that sea, if justice were served, he deserved to die. But again, once again, Galatians 3.24, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be what? Justified by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And if Paul got what was coming to him, at this point he'd served the Lord faithfully for many years. He'd been persecuted greatly for the cause of Christ. And yet in of himself he deserved to die. And he should have died if justice were served. But again through Christ Jesus. Through faith in him. Paul was forgiven. Paul was washed. And in Christ Jesus listen. Not only is there justification found. There's also power over snakes and scorpions. Especially the most deadly demonic ones and this is just something that's baffling here i'm a sinner worthy of hell my tongue is like a viper that's poisonous like an asp have you found that to be true concerning yourself the things that come out of our mouth the things that come out from you know what the things we put into our hearts and so forth I think we oftentimes downplay it, and if we really know the depths of it, we'd be face down probably every moment for the rest of our lives. But we're justified by the Lord, and then even from there in the Lord, we have an authority in the Lord Jesus Christ and the spiritual war that we're in. We don't deserve such authority, but we have it in the Lord Jesus Christ. In Luke ten seventeen, it says, The seventy return with joy. The Lord has sent them out on a little mission trip. And they came back and they said, Lord, even the demons are subject to your name. And he said, I, fall, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I could do a whole sermon on that, but we won't do that today. Verse 19, he says, Behold, I give you authority. And notice the verbiage here. I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. 
I give you an authority to trample them, to have power over them. And then in Mark 16, he says, in verse 17, In my name they'll cast out demons, they'll speak with new tongues, they'll take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by, be, by no means hurt them. This is the Lord really showing us the authority we have in His name in the midst of this fallen world. And hear this this morning, this isn't just a first century promise. Now if He is not your Lord and Savior today, I can't plead with you enough not to reject that justification and liberty and victory found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because it's only found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Outside of the Lord, we read in 1 John 5, 19, the whole world's under the sway of the wicked one. And the Word of God says in Acts 13, 39, By him everyone who believes is justified from all the things which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. It says though, beware therefore, lest wisdom is spoken by the prophets come to you, and behold, you despisers marvel and perish. So again, the answer is Jesus. Authority over the enemy, victory and escape in a fallen world full of spiritual warfare, it's only found in Jesus. And greater than that justification from sin, it's only found in Jesus. And if you've been one who's despising the gospel of Jesus Christ, today is the day that you need to repent lest you perish. Lest you perish. Notice verse 5, how glorious. But he shook off the creature into the fire and he suffered no harm. Again, the trials will come. Snakes, snakes will latch on. And the Lord has called us to shake them off in the name of Jesus. Sometimes that comes through rebuking and binding the devil. But hear this. Hear this this morning. Sometimes that only comes through genuine and practical repentance. You know the Bible is a book of legalities. And though we have authority to trample snakes and scorpions, the Bible makes it very clear that we can give legal ground for Satan to come in and get a stronghold on our life. Ecclesiastes 10.8, he who digs a pit will fall into it, and whoever breaks through a wall will be bitten by a serpent. Is the devil running amok in your home? Most likely someone opened a door. If you open a door, he's going to come in. Ephesians 4, 26, be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath, notice, nor give place to the devil. We saw this recently, Revelation 2, 20. You allowed that woman Jezebel. You allowed her to come in, the spirit. You gave a place. You opened the door. The Lord says, I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality, but she didn't repent. And hear this, in this spiritual battle, oftentimes people get focused on rebuking and rebuking and rebuking. And there's a place for that. But it better start with repenting and repenting and repenting. Because there's sometimes the reason that that vapor's latching on is because of the hardness of our heart. And there needs to be a repentance for there to be an effective rebuking. He suffered no harm. He did suffer. No doubt a vapor gets on you, they're suffering there, but he suffered no harm. And there's a big difference between the two. I think oftentimes the thought of suffering keeps us from stepping out of faith. God says, go and do this. And we say, no, Lord, 
I can't. I might suffer. But hear this, whether you go or don't, in a fallen world, you know this, you're going to (laughs) suffer. The difference is, when you suffer in following the Lord, you won't suffer harm. You won't. 1 Peter 4.12, Beloved, don't think it's a strange thing concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake in Christ's sufferings. That when his glory is revealed, you may be glad with exceeding joy. That doesn't sound like suffering. Harm. It's suffering, but not harm. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. Notice here, the spirit of glory in God rests upon you. On their part, he's blasphemed. On your part, he's glorified. He says, but let none of you suffer as a murderer, thief, or an evildoer. And an an evildoer could be one that even says, no, God, I'm not going to go because I don't want to suffer. He says, don't suffer as that. He's suffering here, but he's not suffering harm. Remember that when you're tempted to say, Lord, I can't go, I might suffer. Most likely, you will suffer. Like, oh, Steve, you don't want to hear this. Anyone here ever suffer for the Lord? But when you suffer for the Lord, there's no harm. God works it for good. The spirit of glory and God rests upon you. You can look forward with an exceeding joy of standing before the Lord. He says, you're blessed in the Lord. Verse 6, however they are expecting you would swell up or suddenly fall down dead. But after they looked a long time and saw no harm come on them, they exchanged their minds and said he was a god. They're waiting, they're waiting, they're waiting. They're familiar with this viper here. And there's a truth here. When you go through trials and tribulations and sufferings, Oftentimes it comes with bleachers of people watching you. The word says that we're living epistles known or read by all men. We're called a city on a hill that can't be hidden. I don't know about you, but there's many times as follower of the Lord, I just want to go hide. I don't want to be seen. I don't want to be watched. I don't want to be known or read by all men. And yet it's par for the course. They're sitting and they're watching. And listen, as folks watch, praise God, there's a few that will pray for you. There's some that will give you words of encouragement. One or two may sit with you. Oh, Lord, let us be those folks. But if you notice as well, there's many that will wait with bated breath, hoping for your demise. (laughs) Oh, Lord, let that not be us. Even to our worst enemy. Listen, are you in the place where you're like, that person did me so wrong, and I see a vapor latched to him, and I'm sitting here, you know what, rubbing my hands together because finally justice will be served to them. Let's remember if justice was served to us, we'd have no future and hope. Also knowing this, when they're watching from the bleachers, don't get your eyes on them. Don't let them get your goat, get in your crawl, move you to turn evil for evil. But instead, listen, know that's a a, a trap, and we'll go back to what we started with. Get your eyes on Jesus. Not only will the Lord sit with you, He makes intercession for you, He'll walk with you. He'll pick you up. He'll carry you. He'll mend your wounds. Listen, Jesus is that good Samaritan. Jesus is that close friend. He's our Lord God and King. He is our refuge. And it sets a table, again, for many to see the glory of God. And these individuals, these natives, as they saw him endure this, they didn't see him swell up. They don't see him fall down. And they go from, he's a murderer so he's a God. That's quite a shift there. 
Boy, the world's tossed to and fro quite easily, aren't they? <laughs> Lord, let that be us. Let us not be tossed around like that so easily. From there, it says in verse 7, in that region, and we'll close out rather quickly here. There was an estate of a leading citizen of the island whose name was Publius, Publius who received and entertained us courteously for three days. I got a sense that they didn't get a lot of visitors on this island. Because there's a leading citizen. No doubt this is a busy guy. And these strangers show up and says, I'm dropping everything to go and entertain these guys. And I love it. Because in verse 8 it says, It happened that the father of Publius lay sick of fever and dysentery. Paul went in and prayed and laid hands on him and healed him. And we see Paul once again ministering right where he was at. I hear people at times say, I'm a full-time ministry. And you think, what's that mean by that? And I understand the meaning. You know, I get, you know, and I'm, I'm on staff full-time or whatever. But the truth is, we should all be in full-time ministry. <laughs> and if it comes down to why I punch in and I minister and I punch out and I quit, boy, that's problematic. We see Paul's example here again, serving. And now we see him here ministering. This man's sick, and Paul lays hands on him. No doubt he allowed him to lay hands on him. Let's lay hands on people when they're sick, especially, you know, we need their permission when they, we say, can I pray for you? And when they say, yeah, let's lay hands on them, whether they believe, be believers or not believers. And he laid hands on them. In this case, God healed them. And let me tell you, there'll be times when God will heal, and there'll be times where maybe God doesn't heal right then, but God's still glorified in your obedience. And I'll tell you, in a fallen world, there's many people that have never been prayed for. And it's an amazing thing when there's individuals that have never been prayed for, and you say, can I pray for you? I've seen people's entire countenance change. I've seen their entire view of the Lord and Christians change. When you're willing to lay hands on them and pray for them. Remember right at the beginning of the whole COVID thing, we were like two weeks into them claiming everything that it was. And we're, everyone's trying to figure this out and understand what it is and so forth. And had a guy come to the office. This is one of the dirtiest guys I'd seen in probably a year. I mean, he was filthy head to toe. And he came and he said, hey, I, I, I need some help, but I hear you help us here. And I said, yeah, we will. I went open the garage door and we got him some clothes and we got him some food. And as I looked at him, he said, can I shake your hand? And I stood right there and it's like, okay, what am I going to do? I'm put, being put to the test right now. Got all, I, I didn't know it was coming. And, and, and right then, what am I going to do with all this stuff, all this chatter, all this, whatever it is? And by God's grace, not only did I shake his hand, I embraced him and prayed for him. And I said, well, I'm all in now. You know what? I can't, I can't, I'm all in now. There's no return. And I don't know if that was maybe an angel from the Lord that came, but I know that that ministered to that man and not because of me, but because God who's in me. It says, so when this was done, the rest of those on the island who had disease also came and were healed. I'll tell you, when word gets out that God's healing, people line up. And let's make sure when that's the case, we inform them that he wants to heal the greatest disease called sin. And that's only found in Jesus. It says in verse 10, and I would hope that this was the fruit of salvation. If not, we know that seeds have been planted and no doubt prayers would be offered 
for these individuals. But it says they honored us in many ways. And when we departed, they provided such things as were necessary. What an incredible testimony. You know, the things that went on on that island. Let's stand up and close in prayer to our God here. Well, Heavenly Father, we bless you. We praise you, Lord. We thank you for who you are. God, we're, in a peop- we're a people that, God, are in great need of you. We thank you that you're our refuge. We thank you that you're an ever-present help in time of trouble. We thank you that you're patient with us, God, even in the storms of life. We thank you, Lord, that no matter how deep the pit is in, that we're in, your hand's extended, showing us and being the way out of whatever circumstance it is when we call upon your name. Oh Lord, if there's any here that aren't born again, I pray they call on your name today and get saved. As we talked about salvation found in Jesus and Jesus alone. God, I pray for your servants today, God, here in the midst of this spiritual war that we're in. That you strengthen us, God. That we would remember who we are in you and God, the authority you've given to us, God. Let us walk in that, God, in strength and humility, God, and and honesty before you, Lord. We just thank you for your person and who you are, Lord. Help us to finish well right now, God. Let us lift our voices in praise to our God who's worthy of praise. Let's give him glory as we close here. Jesus, how I trust Him, how I proved Him over and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh. Yeah.
got about half an hour before the next service encourage you to encourage others before you go and you're welcome encouraged to pray for one another minister to one another i pray you have a wonderful day in the lord jesus christ and he just greatly shines his face on you god bless you